Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined on my screen by Spenjamin Powers. How's it going, pal? Not hearing you. I was muted. It was me. Doing well. I'm a little sweaty. Haven't eaten anything yet today. Uh, went to the gym and Ravens make their cuts. A very long, tedious day of uh, waiting where they, they trot everybody out to practice, pretending like it's not roster, roster cut down day, it appears. And then ultimately they, they get it done. They go with a crazy roster construction uh, that I think has a lot of people in a weird headspace. And I think definitely rightfully so in some avenues, some overreactions, some uh, some a little little too much, but just feels like maybe we're not seeing the final iteration of whatever this roster is going to be going into week one, or at least one would hope so. You haven't eaten anything today? I have had, I got, I drank espresso and I usually drink it with ice and I just drank it uh, with a little cream today. So I had a little cream in my espresso around 9.30 a.m., and I've had water. I've had some nicotine from uh, the old Huffy stick. And that's all I've had. I just did just drink a protein shake, like half of a protein shake about 12 minutes ago. That can't be good. Like there's no way that that's a good thing. And now I have a beer. <laughs> this is not, or, Do we need to talk? No, I usually, I actually usually fast pretty much, pretty much every day uh, for the most part. I'm, I'm pretty pretty heavy into the fasting. If I didn't fast, I think I would be 350 pounds. Okay. Listen, I'm just I'm checking in on you and your health. That's all I'm trying to do here. Your mental health, your physical health. I need mentally. You I'm mentally. I'm good. Physically, I'm hungry. Um, committed to the gym late. Usually, in my prime, when I was in the best physical shape of my life, I would fast until about noon or one, and then I would drink black coffee and go to the gym, and then I would eat at like two or three. Uh, and then I would eat again at like seven and then that would be, that would be the routine. And that was when I felt like I was in peak shape, like to try to do some fasted cardio, cut down on the old fat, go into a calorie deficit. And, uh, now I'm just kind of fat. So 
it, it worked for a while. Haven't been doing it as well as I should, but we're, we're coming, we're on the comeback. I mean, it sounds like you have kind of a handle on it. I'm just, you know, it's, it's a little concerning is all I'm, all I'm going to say, but you know, we're, we're in here. We don't have to talk about your diet any more than, uh, any more than you don't want to. It seems like a little bit of a sore subject. So it's not sore. I'm, I, I've been fasting for a long time. I like fasting. I don't really like going about my day with a tummy full of food. I've been breaking that a little bit more, uh, lately, just out of kind of boredom, I, I would say, and, and trying to change it up, but usually a big fast guy. Okay. Well, let me just uh, let you know that uh, you're on the same train as the uh, the 19 year old in the chat. So I hope that that uh, makes you feel good. Here, um, but <laughs> yeah, eventful day on uh, on the old Ravens Twitterverse in the old Ravens Castle in Owings Mills. Uh, and yes, they did do the thing where they uh, kind of, to your point, uh, just ran everybody out there, and uh, everyone's just kind of going through the motions. And uh, it's very clear that. Probably almost half of those guys are not going to be there tomorrow. You know, that's got to be a little bit of an awkward scene, I would think. But uh, they make their roster cutdowns uh, just after 4 p.m., or they announced them at least just after 4 p.m., uh, and they have gotten down to their alleged final 53. It's probably going to change. But uh, I guess starting with the cuts, the Orion Mink of BaltimoreRavens.com, here we go. Waved. Running back, Tyler Beatty. Quarterback, Anthony Brown. Nose tackle, Isaiah Mack. Fullback, Ben Mason. Linebacker, Zacoby McLean. Running back, Nate McCrary. Outside linebacker, Jeremiah Moon. Defensive tackle, Rayshad Nichols. Tight end, Tony Poljohn. Wide receiver, Makai Polk. Defensive back, David Vereen. Wide receiver, Benjamin Victor. Defensive back, Ardarius Washington. Wide receiver, Raleigh, Raleigh Webb. Linebacker, Chuck Wiley. Waved slash injured. Wide receiver Shamar Bridges, defensive tackle Aaron Crawford, outside linebacker Dalen Hayes, released slash vested veteran. Safety, Tony Jefferson, guard Khalil McKenzie, outside linebacker Stephen Means, cornerback Kavon Seymour, offensive tackle David Sharp, defensive end Brent Urban, cornerback Daryl Worley. Your immediate reaction to hearing those names. Immediate reaction, Brent Urban, we already know, is coming back. Um they're thin at outside linebacker on paper. You think Steven means that means likely coming back unless they can snag their paws on someone like Kennard or another outside linebacker. I think they also end up keeping five out inside linebackers because Millie Harrison is going to be a hybrid player. And I really feel like a la Baron Browning, another Ohio state linebacker, the Broncos committed him to full-time outside linebacker. If you've got Welch, who I do think is okay to go take some snaps defensively, they, they were comfortable doing that this past year, but you can trot out Welch, you can trot out Ross, you can trot out Bynes, you can trot out Queen. Uh, Blake Harrison's been training as an inside linebacker for quite some time. I, I would like to see him really start to commit into the, the outside linebacker uh, position a bit more. And so I think, you know, the, the drastic reaction there is, oh, well, they've only got Houston and Owe and Ojabo, I think, is the listed rostered outside linebackers, but it, it's a minimum of five there. I think we're going to see a lot of Harrison there. We saw it a, a bit and he's going to be walking down in that kind of role. And I, I don't, I don't think they're done yet. I would hope I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. The way this roster currently looks, it feels like is going to be very different again. Uh, a couple, a couple trades, couple waiver claims, couple signings before week one. I thought they might've been kind of done with that uh, after they signed Robinson, but I don't think that's the case in, in hindsight. Yeah, I guess we maybe buried the lead a little bit, too, with the fact that uh, it came out after we had recorded that they are going to, in fact, be putting Kenyon Drake on their final 53, uh, signing him, I guess, coming to a, to an agreement before he even uh, arrived in Baltimore. Uh, but that was last night. He showed up today, passed his physical by uh, 
by all indications, it sounds like it's going to be a go with him in that running back room. So that cleared the way. Sounds like it's going to be him, Davis, Justice Hill. Uh, and um, am I missing someone? Beatty got uh, Beatty got let go, obviously. Um, and yeah, Dobbins. Did you say Dobbins? Uh, well, yeah, Dobbins as well. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll see about him. And then Edwards is going to be on the PUP, obviously. I guess going back to linebacker, we got Dalen Hayes getting cut. It's a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people, I would imagine. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, a young, promising player that you would have liked to see uh, maybe you know, fulfill some of that potential that some people, myself included, thought he had. So it's uh, unfortunate to see him go out of that room. Let me pull up who else we got there. Um it's Kobe McLean. I didn't really have much on Chuck Wiley. They had kind of already, I think flirted with letting go. So he's going to be gone out of that uh, linebacker room. But uh, yeah, Jeremiah moon, the other one I was looking at, I'm hoping that he makes his way to the practice squad. Yeah. Jeremiah moon is most definitely your boy. So I don't know. Weird, weird roster overall. Um, I'm bullish on Rashad Bateman. I'm obviously very bullish on Andrews. I think, Anyone listening to this is probably very bullish on Isaiah Likely as well. But it just, in the end, uh, to come full circle from where I felt once that Hollywood Brown trade went down and they drafted a safety in a center, uh, which, which hey, you know, Linderbaum, I think, is going to look better than, than I think I felt at the time. I, I didn't love him at 14. Actually, I hated him at 14, didn't love him at 25. Uh, I think I'm going to probably eat crow on that one just based off of nine snaps to have another overreaction in the the polar opposite direction is the Guardians take a 2-1 lead over the Orioles here. But um, I just, again, kind of feel like this is a roster that really wasn't sure what was going to happen with Lamar Jackson and still feels that way in, in a lot of ways. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is a very big monkey wrench into this whole situation. And, you know, Beatty, very interesting to see him cut. Doesn't really, you know, him, Kenyon Drake, Justice Hill, not the end of the world. You know, the margins there are slim. Uh, tight end, keep a couple more, you know, instead of X, Y, or Z, uh, all right, fine, whatever. You know, Oliver, we'll see what happens. Margins slim. But at the end of the day, you know, running back, you feel less crappy about, I guess, than without Kenyon Drake. I don't love that room still. Uh, J.K. Dobbins hopefully is able to come back. But offensively, it just feels like a team that, is weird with what their identity is. And I, I guess if you had to put an identity, it's kind of the core four, I guess really core three of Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, and Mark Andrews. And, and you know, they're going to be able to run the ball effectively at times because they will. They have, they will, they'll continue to. But it feels like, is that their offensive identity? You know, Andrews, Bateman, Lamar Jackson, and hopefully a guy like Likely or Duvenay or Prochet or whoever else. So just a, a weird, weird time in Baltimore, it kind of feels like headed into the season. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I guess we should probably get into this. I mean, the the Lamar Jackson stuff. What's yeah, I don't think. There? Yeah, we did. We haven't. You know, we've been all over Twitter, but obviously Lamar goes and comments that the Ravens didn't offer him 250 million guaranteed uh, and reply to a Twitter thread. And I don't think that was any breaking moves. I think that the number itself, 250 million, is looked at, but not the guaranteed part, which would be 20 million more than Deshaun Watson got, which would be. 70 million more than Kyler Murray ended up getting uh, and, and 80 more than Kyler Murray ended up getting if it was 250 million. So, or whatever, my math's messed up, but you get the point, you know, uh, goes into a full coup, a full stir. The Ravens are up against, you know, Lamar Jackson's deadline that he said of, Hey, I don't want to talk during the season. And they don't tend to do that a ton anyway. So 
seems like he was ready to to throw a little bit of a hissy fit and get a little nuclear. You know, I don't know why he did it. I don't know. He could be sure. Is it a negotiating tactic? Sure. Is he trolling? Sure. Is he just pissy? Sure. I don't know. Um, so goes in and likes a few things, likes a picture of himself photoshopped in a Miami Dolphins jersey, says the Dallas Cowboys were my favorite team growing up, but the Miami Dolphins were my second favorite team. Always funny when he's got some Skip Bayless like, stuff, stuff going like on, I feel like. I feel like pro athletes like so often aren't like fans of teams very seriously. Especially in the South. It's a lot of college football. Very true. Very true. So starts talking about that and then and everybody goes into a downward spiral and, and I just really started thinking about it. You know, that number, 250 million. And that I guess just kind of blew up and, and, and it just seems preposterous to me. I don't think any player in the NFL relative to the salary cap, which we can, if we want to go down the wormhole of is the cap fake and the Rams this and this, that, and the other, sure. But I don't think any player in a salary cap where it's at is worth 250 million over a five-year deal, fully guaranteed. If it's seven years, absolutely. Uh, if it's six years, you can talk me into it for sure, but it, it's, you're not getting, you're not getting value in that position. Ravens have $37 million in cap space next year. You anticipate, you know, the environment of, okay, Mahomes signs and Allen signs, and, and sure, they might have bitten themselves in the ass by waiting. Who knows if Lamar ever would have done anything. I don't know. That's all speculation. They're so tight-lipped about it and close to the to the vest, but you're, all right, all right, Mahomes laid down this deal. Allen lays down this deal. Even thinking about the Murray deal, their cap hits are low in year one. Their cap hits are manageable. The Ravens, as things stand, have $37 million in cap space. Can they finagle some things? Could they restructure Ronnie Stanley, who's still a huge question mark at this point? Sure, they could restructure Marlon. They could open up a little bit more, but they don't have the salary construction within their contracts the way that the Saints have, who are now also trading Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because they can't pay him, got rid of Marcus Williams. Apparently, everyone's saying they feel like they're very tight for cash, um, all of those kinds of things. So I, I, I don't know, man. It's just... You think you're going to have a lot of cap space. You're going to sign a long-term deal. You're going to get one year of really low cap hit for him. And if you start talking about the exact opposite, a $50 million cap hit for each of the next five years, that is putting you in a in between a rock and a hard place uh, in, in terms of roster construction. And, you know, they, they, they didn't set themselves up for that. So they can blame themselves for that. You can blame Jimmy Haslam being an absolute fucking idiot. Uh, if that's what is really going down and that's the number Lamar wants, or if that's what it ends up needing to be, or X, Y, or Z, it's just not the way things were ever in the world. And then suddenly they are. So it's kind of hard to predict that one, in my opinion, out of left field, but Hey, they get paid a lot more than me to, to do that exact job. So maybe they should be more on top of it. Yeah. A lot's, uh, a lot's hanging in the balance with it to Glenn Clark's point. It's like more than more than just a contract negotiation. It is like legitimately the future of contract negotiations happening right now. Uh, feels like we're on the eve of nuclear war a little bit. Uh, but I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Hopefully they are able to find a compromise. I kind of tend to think that they will, uh, but I do think he's going to get more uh, guarantees ultimately. And I just don't know when it's going to happen is the problem. I have a feeling that he's going to stick around to the point about him liking tweets of him in like other uniforms and talking about the Cowboys and stuff. I think he did that legitimately to troll like people because he, I think he was pissed off about something, but then he comes out today and he's like tweeting out and Instagramming out pictures of him in a Ravens uniform. So trying to like maybe apologize and backtrack a little bit. So I, I, I get it all. It's all very weird. Uh, how, 
how different things are now than even five years. I mean, he doesn't have an agent, so it's going to get hairy because you have to tell him if you, if he, if hypothetically he does want, he's like, I want $230.1 million fully guaranteed and he doesn't think he's worth, and you don't want to pay that, then you have to tell him why you don't want to pay him that. You don't have someone to kind of be that mediator. And so it's like, okay, well, well, he doesn't have an agent because he wants his 3%. And 3% of that would be, you know, it would be uh, seven and a half million. Well, at 3% it would, but as we've already talked about on this podcast and somehow is not ever thought of, which continuously gets released, that agents say, they're like, we will take Lamar Jackson for $0 because then we'll get endorsement money. We will take Lamar Jackson for 1% instead of 3% because 1% is greater than 0%. So um, I, I don't know. It just feels like the Ravens have struggled probably. If I'm just going to, if I'm going to make an ass out of you and me, I'm going to assume that they have struggled with how to handle this situation when they're not dealing with an agent and they're just dealing with Lamar and didn't, you know, I feels like they weren't prepared for it to get to this point. And Deshaun Watson was just an absolute monkey wrench. And I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think there's any precedent for it either. I mean, this guy is like set up to become the highest paid player in history and he is not represented by anyone. There's not been negotiations done at this high of a level without representation involved. There, there can't, that can't be, there can't be a precedent for this. And just like interesting things of how kind of dumb the way things work are, but also how the way things work is, is that poll comes out among the ESPN. ESPN does the tiers and uh, the athletic does the tiers and all that. Lamar Jackson comes in 10th in it. And then you see a bunch of people like Florio saying, well, that's kind of the downside of not having an agent that's spreading your gospel constantly and in the ear of GMs around the league that are, you know, swaying opinion of you. And that sounds stupid. And it sounds like, why are GMs listening to that? But it's like, that's the system that's in place. Dude, on that athletic article that came out the other day about talking about his contract a little bit, one of the people and like Florio was on the money about this. Like I, I bitched at him and thought it was stupid at times, but he was right all along. Like he should have had an agent and he had another article come out about it the other day being, being a little Florio and kind of sanctimonious and it was annoying, but I think he was right. And it to let to that point, that athletic article that talked to the agents recently, uh, <laughs> they had a section of who's the most powerful person in the league and getting a, a decent amount of votes was Mike Florio from the agents, which was kind of funny. So like that maybe, maybe that says that like, that's why he's doing this. He has them in their pocket or vice versa, but it's also a statement to like, Hey, this guy actually does have pool within the league. This guy does have his finger on the pulse. And he was right about that. And I think, uh, that's kind of showing through right now because emotions seem to be running high when they really don't need to be like, this is a business deal. It's nothing other than that. Shouldn't it, it is, it is. And, and I guess I kind of glazed over the point that, that I do want to talk of, which is the fact that if Jackson is to negotiate number one himself and number two, a fully guaranteed deal, let's say North of $210 million, then the next court, then the Joe Burrow is going to get a fully guaranteed deal. Then it becomes two is a trend when it's Watson and it's Jackson, then it's a trend. And then Joe Burrow is going to get it. And then Justin Herbert's going to get it. And then Mahomes is going to want it. And then Allen is going to want it again. They're not going to be happy with their current deals. And then ultimately that will trickle down into, I would imagine the next CBA. I don't have in front of me when that's going to occur, but them then wanting fully nego- fully guaranteed deals for all players. Like that is where that heads in that direction, which it will ultimately do either way. So if that's Lamar Jackson's stance is like, I'm going to put the whole team on my back. And by the whole team, I mean every single football player that is in this league and, and try and move to get that to be the goal. Then, Hey, that's very noble. And I absolutely understand that. But if it's 
more so, hey, Deshaun Watson got this, so I want that. I don't get it because that deal is such an outlier. Kyler, if if Deshaun Watson never plays a game for the Browns, they have to pay him $230 million. If Kyler Murray never plays a game, the next closest to that figure, the next closest is $103.3 million. Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed, no matter what parachute money, is 230% higher than the next closest player in the National Football League's figure. That is ridiculous. And then we say, oh, well, he set the market. He set the market. And the practical guaranteed money is much closer. It's like 160, 170 for Murray, 230 for Watson. So we're still in that range of, you know, 60, 70 million dollars in difference. It's like reset the market. Reset the market traditionally or always has been, okay, Joe Flacco got, you know, 15% more total value and 10% more guaranteed money than the, the next biggest contract. And then the next guy gets 5% more and 10% more. Deshaun Watson is at 150% in practical money and 230% in absolute worst case money. Like that is insane. It is such an anomaly. So the Browns, their, their back door of, of fucking the Ravens has absolutely worked, it seems, in, in some way. And uh, so cheers, cheers to you, Jimmy Haslam. Cheers to you. And like uh, to address uh, a comment here about how it's like, oh, well, you're just talking about it being inconvenient for billionaires. Like I, I totally get it. And like athletes, I think across the board are underpaid. And like, does he deserve X amount of money? I absolutely think he is. If worth this was baseball and there was no salary cap, pay him a half a billion dollars. Fucking it, pay him more than that. Lamar Jackson is well worth that, in my opinion. We're just talking about it from a salary cap perspective. Like we've got to analyze it a little bit from that. Deshaun Watson's cap numbers over the next five years. This year, 9.3 million because the Browns are fucking scumbags. Next year, 54.9 million. 54.9 million the year after that. 54.9 million in 2025. 54.9 million in 2026. And like, yeah, maybe that'll become like a discount at some point after like a, a, a new precedent is set. But it's just ridiculous. Like, I, you know, paying any amount of player that, t you know, that percentage of your salary cap, it's a quarter of your salary cap. It's just kind of, kind of crazy. Like, I know he's great and I know, you know, X, Y, and Z, but you got to, you got to look at it from the team perspective when you're trying to analyze things a little bit, like he's hundred percent worth that money. And I hope we can get to a point where he can get it and it can make sense, but we got to have that discussion first. I don't give a shit what billionaires spend. I don't care about that. I care ultimately as a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, I would like for them to win a Super Bowl. I think that winning a Super Bowl is more likely if they have more money to spend or manipulate than less. And when you do the fully guaranteed deal, you don't have the Rams wiggle room of the restructures and the bonuses and uh, ultimately being able to play with the contracts as much because it's all guaranteed. So you don't have any wiggle room. There aren't these bonuses and things you can do ultimately. That's, that's going in the face of saying that if you say the cap is a myth, then you don't want fully guaranteed deals. They don't go hand in hand. Those are dueling ultimately. So... Um, I hope, you know, if, if it's up to me, I'm like, yeah, beat the heck out of Kyler Murray's deal. That's, he's, that's he's, where by I'm the way, he's that. worth beat more than out of Kyler Murray's and, deal. 200 million fully guaranteed with a $300 million total value over six, seven years, blow Kyler Murray out of the water. I'm sorry that the Browns made a horrible decision and also traded three first round picks and promoted a sexual deviant that has taken advantage of women, you know, not a solid business model to follow in my opinion. He's he is worth more than Kyler Murray. He's worth more than fucking Deshaun Watson for one thing too. So we could we can talk about that and like 
uh, you know, this talking about like, oh, well, the hard cap only exists because the owners want it. Like, you're absolutely right. You are 100% correct. We're yep. just analyzing the world that is in front of us right now. We're not, we can't really afford If to- I could change that, I would. Yeah, If me I too. could change it, I would. 100%. We're stuck there until the next collective bargaining agreement, unfortunately. Yeah. And he is worth more than Deshaun Watson's weirdo, you know, whatever he's going on. He's worth more than empty vessel ass Kyler Murray, you know, playing video games out there in the desert. He is worth so much money. I hope he's able to get it. And I hope the, uh, hope the team finds a way to, uh, to make him happy. Most certainly. But in the end, I feel like, you know, we're talking about roster cutdown day. We're talking about what is this roster headed into this season? And it again, feels like a roster of a team that is afraid to make moves in the immediate it feels like a team that, you know, they were like, all right, well, Marcus Williams, and hey, that was an awesome deal for today. That was an awesome deal for later. That was an awesome deal all around. But you go watch the Eagles. Howie Roseman is my daddy. You go watch the Eagles, what they did today and what they've done this offseason. And I think the Ravens have made some nice long-term moves while Lamar was under a rookie contract. They brought in Marcus Peters and extended him. They tried to go get Yannick Ngakwe. Well, they did go get Yannick Ngakwe, and that didn't quite work out the way they wanted they extended Ronnie Stanley. They extended Marlon Humphrey. They extended Mark Andrews. They've brought in, you know, decent players consistently. But then you go watch the Eagles bring in Hassan Reddick, A.J. Brown, James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, have multiple first-round picks in multiple years, bring in a guy to leapfrog the Ravens and, and get, go get Jordan Davis. Then it's, uh, you know, it's watching them make all of the moves the Ravens made that are probably still good long-term moves. Going and getting A.J. Brown is a good long-term move. Going and getting Hassan Reddick, I like that move for today and tomorrow. All of those things didn't mortgage the future. That wasn't all in, all or nothing this season necessarily. They have multiple first-round picks again. They haven't traded a bunch of picks away. They traded one for A.J. Brown and extended him. So they have absolutely done a, a fantastic job, in my humble opinion. Super Bowls aren't won in August, but if they were, you know, the Eagles are champs right now. And have an awesome roster, an awesome offensive line, defensive line. They figured out their secondary, got N'Kobe Dean now with a bunch of beasts in front of him, somewhat similar to what he had at Georgia. And, you know, if, if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, they're not stuck with him. They can easily go get a different quarterback. Uh, they can trade up for one. They can trade for one. They can do pretty much anything. The ball's in their court, and I think it's just interesting to watch. And, and hey, you know, the Ravens had some of those chances, but injuries messed them up. They wanted to go for more for the long-term sustainability model, and, I think we're looking at a, a roster that's a result of that right now. And of course, fucking Stephen Kwan just drives in a couple RBIs. That's not going to be insufferable at all from the goddamn Guardian social media account. Um, but yeah, that's a non sequitur. So I guess that is, uh, I guess that's all we've got on that. I mean, we, we got on here to analyze cut down day. We definitely should have gotten into that. But uh, do you want to get into the final 53? Final 53, very excited for Josh Ross is the first thing that stands out for me. Uh, those five inside linebackers. Thought was a little surprising, but again, I think Malik Harrison ends up at outside linebacker a bit, looking at the defensive side of the football. Um, I think one of the kind of unsung guys that, that, were, that the Ravens are really leaning on right now is probably Broderick Washington with Travis Jones out. You know, Brent Urban, a guy that, that can do some nice things for you, but has had some health issues staying on the field ultimately. And Washington has gotten all the hype from Anthony Weaver and from Mike McDonald and even in like Ravens wired broad uh, shows and stuff like that. So uh, I think that a lot is riding on him going early on and, you know, they, they part ways with Tony Jefferson and that cornerback room is a, a strange place as well right now. It feels like. Yeah, definitely. They, uh, they, a lot of interesting moves to break down here. I mean, Ross makes it and it, 
definitely a lot of people were saying it's going to come down to Ross and Welch. They decide to keep both. Uh, I guess they really just value that special teams uh, skill that Welch brings. And then Ross is obviously going to maybe play some special teams and then also play some defenses here. And then you do have that, uh, that kind of three person outside linebacker room right now with Oway with Houston. And then Ojabo is listed on the final 53 um, on our tracker here, but you know, you're going to potentially have moves to make. I mean, Devin Kennard is still out there. I've seen that thrown around. So that could be a move that they make. Maybe a couple other guys. JPP has been thrown around. But, um, yeah, 11 offensive linemen, a little bit of a surprise, keeping, you know, Tr- Tristan Cologne in the picture. Looks like they're hanging on to Ben Cleveland for the time being, which uh, I think makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, you got Stanley, Powers, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Moses, I guess, are your starters there. And then McCary is maybe your swing guy. He might have to start in week one because Stanley activated off the pup but not practicing. Five receivers uh, definitely makes sense, I think, uh, with Bateman, Duvernay, Prochet, Robinson, Wallace. But you got Tyler Johnson coming available. I'd be interested to see if they put a claim in on him. Uh, and then five tight ends was weird to me, man. I just don't I don't understand what Josh Oliver is bringing to this team, really. Not quite sure either at this point. Uh, might be someone that they try to put on the practice squad, let people run around and grab tight ends and, and go that way and end up <clears throat> pushing him through ultimately. Um, Isaiah likely in the preseason lined up, I think, what was it? 22 of his 30 snaps were as a receiver. So in this offense, you have a guy like Oliver, you have a guy like Boyle, you have a guy even like Ricard and Andrews, Isaiah likely for all intents and purposes is pretty much a receiver in this offense. Uh, they, they end up feeling insecure about their running backs. So they, they keep four there and Dobbins not going on pup is, uh, I guess encouraging in one way, but also a little bit scary nonetheless, because you're, you're worried that, I don't know, he's not confident yet and might not fully be up to speed, but you also did need to go get Kenyon Drake and didn't like what you had in Beatty. So the, the weapons are a a strange, strange thing, but if you're able to give Lamar Jackson time, I think he's shown throughout his career consistently, it kind of doesn't really fucking matter who he's throwing the ball to. It doesn't, it's not an offense that relies on someone beating man coverage because they get more zone than anyone else. So if you have some smart, consistent receivers that know where to sit down and can take the top off a little bit, then give Lamar Jackson time. If you cover everybody perfectly, he's going to beat you with his legs. If you get a little bit of pressure, he can still beat you. And they do have someone coming off of a, what, 107 catch, 1300 yard season. So I don't know. The The Ravens are, are going a little bit bigger offensively. Demarcus Robinson, a big guy. Mark Andrews, a big guy. Isaiah Likely, a big guy. Rashad Bateman's a lot larger than a Hollywood Brown is. And feels like they, they tried to do that whole track team thing and copy the Chiefs in many ways with the Kelsey Hill being the Brown and Andrews and didn't ever quite turn into that. But you have Andrews playing at a super high level and now you've got some bigger, stronger guys that can probably rumble after the catch a little bit more. And I think everybody's been bitching about wide receiver, but I'll continue my, my, I feel like it's gone under the radar that I truly think Rashad Bateman is going to pop off quickly, immediately, healthy off season, quiet off season, number one guy going to replace the 146 targets that Hollywood Brown had. Maybe he's the Azores eye. Maybe he's the Prince who was promised. I, I truly think he is. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so yeah, I, I have faith in him to, uh, to kind of carry the water for that group a little bit. And then, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm fairly confident in Robinson a little bit, uh, not just after what we saw, but I liked the signing when it happened. And then 
I like a little bit of what they have uh, in the mix there in between. So I think they'll be fine there. I wish they had done more in the offseason, but we've talked about that ad nauseum. It's too late for that. Likely he's going to help them out in that spot. So that's uh, that's what we got. Most certainly. So at this point in time, traveling to go play the Jets, they were the AFC East the first month of the season, which is ever peculiar, um, starting off that way. And I think, I think they ain't done yet. I think they got moves to make an outside linebacker. I think they got moves to make along the offensive line. It feels like they retained all 11 offensive linemen because they know that teams are desperate to make a trade for one. That's kind of what's being reported is that teams are desperately looking for offensive line help and cornerback help. And the Ravens kind of stockpiled some corners, stockpiled as many offensive line as po- linemen as possible. Uh, I don't know. Tyree Phillips, apparently tackle is what is desperately needed around the league. And not that Tyree Phillips is good at tackle or should be playing tackle, but he has, and he can a little bit, and you can hide him a little bit with a tight end. So maybe he's the one they trade him or powers or Cleveland. I think it might be powers or, or Phillips ultimately, but um, they're probably uh, Daniel Falele. You could sneak onto IR. It seems like now. He has been not practicing for a little bit. That takes you down to 10, opens up another roster spot. And obviously they're they're not going into the season with three outside linebackers, one on IR. So moves still to be made. Yep, there certainly are. And uh, we will see what happens when they do happen, uh, which we feel like they're going to. But uh, anything else here on roster cutdown day? Again, just going into it, you know, very, very excited for a guy like Josh Ross. Uh, to get his shot. Seems like a guy like Tylen Wallace is probably going to get a, a pretty good shot. They're putting a lot of faith into James Prochet, who secretly for being a, what, a sixth-round pick wide receiver feels like a very polarizing pro- polarizing player, uh, depending on who you ask, that, that enjoys rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. So those guys have a lot riding on them, a lot of opportunity for a guy like Justice Hill off the bat, most likely, and got a lot of opportunities for a guy that's name is likely, Isaiah likely. So... Him not playing in that third preseason game was huge and probably going to go play 30-plus snaps in week one as a, a fourth-round tight end rookie. And those are the guys, man. Bateman. It's all on Bateman's shoulders, a lot of it. Bateman, Prochet, Duvernay, Wallace, and, and Likely. Got to gotta be good or yep. else they're fucked. Yep, that's pretty much where we stand uh, as we move forward. So. Thank you for joining me, bud. Uh, nice little micro pod here, a little half an hour session to talk through the last uh, days that have been weirdly crazy. I think Jakey Boy lost his microphone there, but they certainly have been weirdly crazy. The Ravens keep a ton, a ton, a ton of linemen and not so many outside linebackers. Yeah, and uh, crazy in the... <laughs> Sorry, I had a little bit of a situation I had to deal with there, but... Uh, um dinner's ready um but but yeah i've been crazy on the field uh with the the cut downs and off the field as well with just some of the the bullshit that's going on and continues to go on with this contract situation the moratorium i guess has probably been lifted by uh by proxy but uh that's the that them's the breaks and so we're gonna see what happens in in that regard as we always say as is our calling card so Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll probably be back at you later this week uh, to, you know, talk a little bit more Ravens. I'm sure more moves will be made. Uh, yes, Mom, the meatloaf, fuck. Um, I never know what she's doing back there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's, you know, surely going to be more happening, so we'll be back at you when they do. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter 
at Podcast Beatdown. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. And uh, you can find Spencer at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Thank you all for your continued patronage, and we'll talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Everything out of me. They gonna get a Super Bowl out of me. Need that. Need that.